When you hear the word self-control, what do you think of? You might think of work assignments and how easily you get distracted. Or exercise and how hard it is to get started. Maybe think of a time when you lost your temper and you wish you hadn't. Or the endless hours you waste looking at pointless rubbish on the internet. It could be that you think of food or some kind of diet. I recently discovered that it doesn't matter how much of the, you know, that um, mixture of salt and sweetie popcorn, sweet popcorn that, that you get. I've realized that it doesn't matter how much of that you put in front of me, I will eat it all. I have no control with that. Of course, the Holy Spirit does help us to develop self-control in areas of our lives where we didn't have it before, but that's only part of the picture. Paul wants us to exercise self-control in such a way that we become more effective at winning people for Christ. The challenge is to use self-control as a means to cross cultural gaps and divides. Paul wants to share the good news of Jesus with anybody who will listen. And even though he's Jewish, his mission is to take the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So Paul has been called to work cross-culturally, which is exactly what Jesus told us to do. Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Jesus said this to an audience of Jews. He is telling them to go and share the gospel with people who are in many ways very different from themselves. And we are called to reach out to people who are very different to us. One of the amazing things about the good news of Jesus is that it's for everyone. Everyone who gives their life to Christ has equal status before God. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The problem is we naturally gravitate towards people who we perceive to be like us. And you see this all the time in your uh, place of work or uh, parents at your child's school or little communities where people from the same national, cultural and ethnic background gather together. Uh, We can be very clicky. And actually, that's entirely understandable. But as Christians, if we want to fulfill the mission that Christ has given us, we can't be like that. We have to get out of our little Christian bubble and immerse ourselves in the lives and the culture of the people around us. And that takes a lot of self-control because it means resisting our natural inclination to spend all our time with people who we think are like us. Before he started following Jesus, Paul wouldn't have had anything to do with the Gentiles. He wouldn't have gone into their homes. He wouldn't have eaten with them. He wouldn't have associated with them. To do so would have defiled him, or so he believed takes a tremendous amount of self-control to overcome that kind of prejudice. Paul, in his own words, says he wants to win people, to win them over. He understands that people won't listen to his message unless he first makes some kind of a connection with them. So Paul is willing to adapt his way of life, one, so that he doesn't cause offense, and two, so that he can make that connection. He won't compromise himself morally, or ethically, but he will adapt where he can. 
And his faith in Christ gives him the freedom to do that. Verse 19, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He goes on, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Before being a Christian, uh, Paul was a strict Pharisee. He would have followed the Jewish laws um, and all the additional regulations that were added by the the scribes. He would have followed those uh, to the letter. In Christ, the law with all its uh, meticulous requirements no longer binds him. But if he's with Jews, he'll avoid causing offense if he can. If he's with Jews, he'll follow their customs so that, that, that he can be close to them. So, for example, as a Christian, he's no longer bound by the Jewish food laws. He can eat whatever he likes. But if he's with Jews, he's not going to start eating pork chops and sausages. He's got freedom, but he exercises control over that freedom for the sake of those he's ministering to. But if he's with the Gentiles, he can use that newfound freedom to eat whatever they're eating. He says, I became like one not having the law. Now, this doesn't mean that he's free to do anything and everything because his life is still subject to the law of Christ. Paul adapts to the people he's ministering to, but he doesn't adopt their ungodly practices. He adapts to them, but he doesn't adopt their ungodly practices. As many of you will know, I I used to work for a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, taking the Alpha course into the armed forces. And I spent a lot of time with um, servicemen and women, and particularly chaplains. And during that time, I discovered that there were a small minority of chaplains who tried so hard to fit in that they adopted every unwholesome practice they encountered. So those chaplains would swear and they'd tell lewd jokes and they'd get drunk. I even heard of one chaplain who was exchanging pornographic material with sailors on the mess deck. Those individuals are doing the absolute opposite of what Paul is here suggesting. They they show a complete lack of self-control. Remember, the whole point is to bring people to Jesus. How can anyone do that if there's no visible evidence of Jesus's presence in their life? Self-control in that environment, in terms of uh, Navy chaplaincy, might be going for a run with the ship's company, even though you could probably get out of it. Or eating in the galley with the junior ranks, even though you're entitled to eat in the officer's mess. Or learning to talk meaningfully about football, even though you're really not that into football. It's all about exercising self-control over our freedom in order to connect with others. Paul then says, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. He's probably uh, referring back to chapter 8, where he talks about food that's been sacrificed to idols. And this was a contentious issue in the Corinthian church. Could Christians eat food that had been sacrificed to idols or not? In Corinth, uh, a lot of the meat was uh, sacrificed to idols and then sold afterwards in the marketplace. You wouldn't necessarily know which had been and which hadn't. If you went to uh, for a meal at, a, at someone's home, there's a good chance you're going to be eating meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. And again, you wouldn't necessarily know it. It may have been very difficult to avoid meat that had been sacrificed to idols in first century Corinth. Paul's answer to this problem is basically this. He says, we know that an idol is nothing 
It's just a block of wood or stone. It's not really a God. It doesn't hold any power. So don't worry too much about where your meat comes from. However, he says there are some people, they could be Jews or Christians, who really struggle with that. They can't get their heads around it. And for them, to eat that meat would be wrong. And he says, well, in that case, for their sake, don't eat the meat. Show a bit of self-control. Be a vegetarian for the night. Paul explains that if someone thinks it's wrong to eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol, and they eat it anyway, then they're sinning. It's like if you're driving along the road and you think you're in a 40 zone, you're not, you're actually in a 60 zone, but you think you're in a 40 zone and you deliberately drive at 60, you may not be breaking the law, but you've shown that you're willing to break the law. Likewise, if you think it's wrong in God's eyes to eat that meat and you eat it anyway, you've shown that you're willing to rebel against God. And God sees our heart and he sees our motives. He sees exactly what's going on within us. So Paul says, if you encourage someone to go against their conscience, actually, you could be leading them into sin. And Paul, um, he refers to that person of um, heightened conscience as the weaker brother or sister. But the point is, Paul would rather be a vegetarian than call someone to fall into sin. It's exactly what it says in chapter 8, verse 13. Uh, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Paul is talking about exercising a considerable amount of self-control for the spiritual benefit of others. Paul says, I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul is willing to adapt to the people around him in order to make that connection. And that takes a lot of self-control. Now, I personally don't know anyone who sacrifices meat to idols. I'm guessing that uh, most of you don't either. Uh, But food plays a central role in most cultures. Uh, I was once traveling in Mongolia, staying with various families in uh, that they were living in girt tents, you know, those little round white tents look a little bit like huts. And um, at one point, uh, I think the first family that I stayed with, we all sat in this tent in a circle, and a plate of food was being passed around. And I didn't feel very hungry, so I, no thanks, sort of passed it on. And it was immediately obvious that I'd broken some taboo. It was very, very awkward. So it's worth knowing that in some cultures to refuse food or hospitality is the height of bad manners. It's quite shocking for those people of of that culture. So what if you're at someone's home and they offer you something you, you don't like the look of? Well, I think Paul would probably say receive it with gratitude and eat it. I've eaten some uh, interesting things in various parts of the world. Uh, porcupine, caterpillars, uh, snails, everyone's eaten snails, you know, the, the big ones, ants, guinea pig, served on the plate like that. <laughs> and in Mongolia, they eat something that looks and smells like milk that's been curdled to the point of going thick and lumpy. Now, it takes a lot of self-control to eat something like that, especially when you're trying to disguise the fact that you're on the verge of throwing up. Now... <laughs> I'm not saying that we have to go to that extent, and food is just one example. But the point is, how far will we go 
to build a connection with someone who is very different from us? How far will we go to enter into someone else's world, especially when we know that it might lead to an opportunity to share the gospel? Another example. Let's say you've got a Muslim friend who invites you for dinner. Now, this might be more relevant uh, for uh, the women. Now, as Christians, we're at liberty to dress in a way that we feel is appropriate. But if you're going into a Muslim home, you'd want to dress in a way that's culturally acceptable for them. That doesn't mean you, you have to turn up in a burqa, but certainly you're not going to wear a strappy top and short skirt. And you might say, well, I should be allowed to wear whatever I want. And that's the point. You are allowed to wear whatever you want. You have that freedom. But Paul is saying that we should exercise self-control over that freedom for the sake of cultivating relationships with people who see things very differently from us. In Acts uh, 16, Paul actually circumcised Timothy uh, with Timothy's consent, of course. But they did that because they knew that the Jews to whom they were traveling would not um, accept them if Timothy remained uncircumcised. They just wouldn't get a look in. They wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't get any sort of traction at all. Um, they wouldn't be able to share the gospel. Did Timothy need to be circumcised? No. But they made that call because they wanted to share the gospel. Now that, to me, is staggering and probably uh, to you as well, but it shows just how much they wanted to preach Christ. It really shows how much Timothy wanted to preach Christ. We're free to dress one way. We're free to dress another. We're free to eat everything. We're free to restrict our diet. We're free to drink alcohol. We're free to be teetotal. The question is, how can we best use our freedom and our self-control to win people for Christ. Martin Luther said this, and he was writing in the 16th century, so um, it's uh, exclusive language. Uh, but he said, a Christian man is the most free Lord of all, subject to none. That's freedom. He then said, a Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all, subject to all. That's self-control. Relinquishing some aspect of our freedom for the sake of others. So this is the context in which Paul writes about our need for self-control or self-discipline. And he uses the example of an athlete training for the games. And this would have been a very familiar image to the Corinthians because Corinth was the venue for the biannual Ithmian Games. Uh, these games included uh, races, wrestling, boxing, and poetry competitions. I'm not sure how the poetry snuck in there, but um, the athletes would train for 10 months in the hope of winning a pine wreath that they would wear on their heads like a crown. In my opinion, much better than the Olympic equivalent, which at the time was a uh, wreath that was literally made out of celery. It doesn't sound like a great prize. Paul says the athletes go into strict training they exercise a high degree of self-control to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What does Paul mean by a crown that will last forever? He can't mean salvation. He can't mean heaven. Because that is not something that can be earned by human endeavor. It's a free gift for all those who put their faith in Jesus. So the crown that lasts forever isn't heaven what is it? 
Well, Paul seems to be describing a reward for service to Christ that is given in addition to salvation. Now, most of the time we don't pick up on this, but it does seem that those who are saved, those who belong to Christ, will be rewarded in different ways. And you might be thinking, hmm, not sure about that. Well, listen to these verses. And these are not about whether or not we belong to Christ, because that's not got nothing to do with what we do. It's got everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. But, for example, Matthew 16, 27 For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Or 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And Jesus said, didn't he, store up your treasures in heaven. He said that right after a long block of teaching about how we live. So being saved is purely a matter of putting our faith in Jesus. But it does seem that people will be rewarded in different ways according to how they have served Jesus. One thing's for sure, Paul is a man with a great sense of purpose. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone Running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. A lot of people go through the motions of life. A lot of people go through the motions of Christianity without ever really understanding what it's about, what's important. Paul recognizes that he needs to be self-controlled in every area of his life to serve Christ and to win souls, knowing that one day he'll be rewarded. Self-control is a fruit that develops in our life when we place every encounter and every personal habit under the control of Jesus Christ as Lord. This is the pattern we are to follow. We're to use our freedom and our self-control in such a way that we live for the glory of God and for the sake of the world. And we do it knowing that there is a, a crown or a prize awaiting us in the life to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We belong to you. And we don't want to compromise uh, who we are as your children, but at the same time, we need to get the balance so that we can connect, so that we can relate, so that we can be relevant to the people around us that we can build relationships. Father, help us to be really conscious of this. Um, Whenever we're away from our Christian brothers and sisters, whether it's the the prevailing culture of Australia or whether we're with people from another place and another culture, we we pray, Father, that you will help us to adapt where we can uh, in order to be more loving and in order to share the gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.